This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave and uh, making sure all my computers are complacent. Well, compliant. I mean, I miss. I misspoke. Compliant with my orders, my decrees, right? Uh, we're here in the um, Melanol studio in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. And we're in the piney woods of north central Florida, which is God's country. Right now, we're enjoying pretty good weather, except I came up my lane yesterday in my pick-em-up truck. And golly, it was a cloud of dust behind me already. So uh, I don't know. We can never have enough rain in Florida, it seems like. As I said, my our grass is pretty much done. And uh, the cattle are getting whatever is left, and soon we'll be into our hauling hay world. And so um, we'll be talking a little bit about that as we once in a while drift off into the agricultural world. Um, got my great guest today with me, Ted Yoho, who was uh, the only great representative I've known who was ever term limited himself, unfortunately. He's too kind. <laughs> and, uh, you know, why do all the good ones quit? You know, so uh, um, anyway, there we are. He hasn't really quit. He's with us right now. And we're trying to make an impact with you all, particularly leading up the election. So I'll be looking at the chat line to see if you have any questions of us. And uh, we'll try to help you understand any question you got about how to vote, what to vote, all that business. I've been getting deluged with a little bit of that. And for the best uh, uh, I can do, I'll give you suggestions. And uh, they're pretty strong, of course, in terms of what you can do to save the country and <laughs> all that business. So uh, we are. Uh, welcoming ted i don't know where you are today i can't keep up with you looks like you're still in the mountains is that right we are still in the mountains and trying to extend it for another week or two but i think we have some people coming. <laughs> is that right? are you trying it's to extend it for another week we're going to try but i we've got people coming in behind us uh, this weekend i've oh. got to speak down in uh, atlanta at a convention for a short period of time on friday what, um, but, uh, what kind of convention is that pray tell it is a Congolese convention for business development. It's a bunch of African leaders that are coming. And uh, I spoke to that group up in Lynchburg, Virginia, a similar group to that. And uh, uh, with my consulting business, we got some business development out of that. And uh, they are really pushing to develop Africa. The uh, Lloyd Owens, who used to be the CEO of uh, Maytag, PepsiCo, Frito-Lay, he said that he predicts the continent of Africa, all the countries, will be 20% of the world GDP by 2050 is his goal. Right now, they're less than 3%. Really? Is that because it's still basically uh, um, a, a rule kind of culture? Uh, uh, Disjointed yeah, I mean, and fragmented by all sorts of exposed uh, groups of people who for years have been living a certain lifestyle? Right. I mean, that's that's the big part of it right now. And you got a lot of corruption over there, but the timing is coming good. They've got 
Their population is under 20 years of age, the average age. Um, they mineral rich in petroleum, in land, in uh, all the rare earth metals, and you know other things like copper and tin and bauxite and things like that. And um, you know the timing is is coming together. And with the chaos in the world today, people are looking for a safer haven, and they're putting money into Africa to develop. And it'll start off in some areas that are more stable. But once you, you know, success breeds success. And so once it starts to develop, you're going to see it explode over there because they are anxious and they are hungry for development. Well, I know from what you've said and what I've read is we've got competitors there, though, uh, China and Russia. What are they? Where are they? Where are they at the trough? Well, you know, it was funny because, you know, we passed a bill in in the House. It was the biggest reform to foreign aid. And my goal was to move countries from aid to trade by developing significant infrastructure. And the ex-president of Ghana, um, Robert um, Muhama, uh, he was speaking and he was talking about USAID and aid from Russia and China. He says, USAID has all these check boxes, you know, you know, social equity, all that, all that stuff that the, this administration has put in there. He goes, China and Russia, they just give you the money. But then he said, we would much rather do business with you guys because they don't trust the Russians and they don't trust the Chinese. And, um, you know, that plays into our favor or other Western type of democracies. And that's why we're going to win that game. And it's going to be significant because they're 1.3 billion people and um, throughout the continent. And they just got so, so much tremendous resources over there. And, um, you know, so China and Russia are over there. They're making headways, but it's, it's going to be short term. And then you put Russia and China together. They don't trust each other. And um, so that's not a relationship that'll last. What about the uh, nations themselves? Which ones of the governments can you tell are trustworthy? They're not uh, kind of taking advantage of their own people. Well, that's a big part of that. Um, Nigeria is probably one of the ones that's more developed. (laughs) Ghana is one that is coming along really well. Benin. um, Benin is a small country, um, but they produce, what is it, 80% of the cashews that are produced in the world come from Benin, if I remember that properly. Um, uh, And then Ethiopia, you know, with as much turmoil as they've had, that's a pretty stable country when you look at it. Things like uh, where uh, my ex-colleague from Minnesota, uh, Elon Omar from Somalia, (laughs) that place is a disaster. I mean, it's just, it's tribal fraction, uh, Muslim uh, factions fighting against each other. And we know the history of that. It's going to be that way for a long time. So South Africa, is it stabilized? Is it? No, they're having a lot of challenges after apartheid. Uh, Right now they're talking about, uh, they just put into their uh, constitution that the government can take land without any payment to the landowner. And so we're seeing this movement around the world where, these um, socialist countries, and they're becoming more socialistic in a lot of those areas. Uh, South Africa is one where they think it's okay just to take people's lands that people shouldn't have land ownership. And if you go back to Adam Smith in The Wealth of Nations, one of the big things that he wrote about, and I think it was in late 1400s, 1500s, where he wrote about the wealth of nations is in people owning land because it's an incentive for people to work the land. Of course, back then it was an agrarian, um, agrarian society. 
like kind of like you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, to piggyback on what you've just said, Billy Matthews told my class, research class, which was all, so to speak, the modern kid off the, out of the city, the best thing they could do was buy, for their country, is buy five acres of, their, of, their, of land. And also by doing that, you're vested. You start paying attention to politics because you can directly be affected by what happens. If you're abstract and you don't have ownership of terra firma, so to speak, or anything that you have put your sweat labor into, much different than trading stocks, for example. Um, That's that's a different type of ownership of property entirely, which is an abstraction, practically all digital now. Um, It's different. I mean, if you look at crime uh, watch neighborhoods, they are neighborhoods. They are people own those homes. When you put renters in there, you don't see crime watch neighborhoods. And this is one of the things that in this discussion locally with these city of Gainesville people, they don't understand. No, you they, want don't. A frac- they don't understand it. They don't get it. You want to protect against crime, have a neighborhood and everybody looks out for each other. Well, it's and- community and we have lost that community sense. And, you know, I don't know how you rectify that. You know, you get these communities, you know, when I grew up in a small town in Minnesota, it had 10,000 people throughout the county. You know, I look at Gilchrist County when I had my veterinary practice out there, the whole county had 16,000 people. So you had community. You had people that thought alike. They kind of acted alike. And you knew what was going on in the community. You get into Gainesville and these cities of, you know, a couple hundred, two, three, four hundred thousand. There's no way to build a community outside of your neighborhood. And the neighborhood is good. But it's that community within there of people that want to stay involved to make it a better place. That's an argument for district voting. <laughs> it is. I agree. It reflects the interest of a community. Well, go and, ahead and uh, use that in the next town hall, and you can tell them that was your thought. <laughs> well, it's not really my thought. We had a long discussion yesterday about it and with um, a very bright fellow who is a Ph.D. in economics and uh, Len Cabrera, who is part of the Lotter Chronicle, who was uh, an analyst in the, in the uh, service, and so learned how to analyze and think, you know, so now is analyzing voting. And, uh, you know, once again, it's it's a, a skill that is um, put to good use here. But it's frustration all over the place when he discovers the results of analysis, because, um, as you know, here we have a very small group of people controlling the interest of a whole large group of people. And right. um, it's the same I was just reading about before we went on the air, the possibilities of for the first time in a long time, and it's remote, is having a Republican governor for the state of New York. Um, that New York is much like Alachua County. It is totally a one-horse town. It doesn't tolerate anybody disagreeing with them. And they are absolutely the most taxed, most crime-ridden um, place in probably the country. Well, that's com- there's competitors for that. But there's, they're wondering, the political watchers are wondering now, if you could finally have, after a long, well, I think the last Republican governor I remember was Rockefeller. Um, maybe there was one since then. I don't know. I guess you're probably right on that. And I know Lee. Lee came in, I think, a Congress or two after me. Uh, ex-military. Very smart guy. He sat on foreign affairs with me. Very articulate. And he was level, real level keel. I mean, even keel. 
And, um, you know, he, he would be a good asset for New York, a good improvement for New York. You know, he didn't get into the, uh, the political BS, but he would get mad. I mean, he would argue a point and, um, uh, he was very good at that. And I got a lot of respect for Lee. Well, let's talk for a moment about a couple of subjects we were talking about just before we went on. Sure. Security for representatives and their families. Um, of course, this has come up now because of the situation with Pelosi's husband. And apparently what I read today was that Capitol cameras were on that home, but didn't necessarily, it's kind of like having a traffic camera, I guess. You know, it's there, but are you watching it? Did you have cameras on your homes when you were there? No, no, no. no. Uh, any, anything that we did for protection like that and security, we had to pay for personally. Um, you know, we can put all that guard up there and we can do all these things to protect people, but it really comes back to society. We got to break down in society. And the more lawless it becomes, the more this is going to become a problem. Um, saying that, it does seem like there's an escalation of, you know, threats. We had death threats. We had credible ones. I know a guy that went to jail for 10 years for the threats he did to me and a couple other congressmen. Um, and it was after the AOC incident that she lied about and inflamed these people. And, um, you know, even then we didn't have protection. Now we could call Capitol Hill and we could tell them about somebody and they would monitor that person. Um, but as far as personal security, we had to pay for that. And, you know, you're seeing the squad, uh, they're paying a lot of money for personal security. And, you know, um, again, I don't think that's been appropriated in the congressional budget. And I don't know if it should be. Um, you know, when you get to where you're protecting this faction and that faction, where does it end? Does everybody get protection? You know, the bus driver, you know, the policeman, as he goes out on his job, does he get security? You know, and it, we need to look at society and it's a societal issue that we need to be teaching respect, um, responsibility. We don't need to be te- um, having transgenders go into our elementary schools talking about the stuff that they want to talk about. They need to teach these kids the very basics of life. You know, you respect people. The Ten Commandments would be a good place to start with. If you're not a Christian, I don't, I don't want you offended, but the Ten Commandments, if you read them, they're pretty good following points, you know, um, you know, thou shall not kill, thou shall not steal. You know, you can go through the whole list. And if we get back to those principles, which, of course, goes back to community and communities develop around a culture within themselves. Um, you know, you, you just got to get back to the basics. It's in football, blocking and tackling. Well, you know, I once heard someone say he was a very wise gentleman, an elder, if you will, in a community and. You can't have an elder unless you have a community. Right. Because, you know, he said that uh, community was the only way to shame men. In other words, the community would ostracize that person for that behavior. Right. So if you don't have a community, there's no way to control people because they don't listen to any. They don't care about anybody's opinion because they don't live with that person day in and day out for years in that community. Um, I thought that was a really good way of looking at it. And, and, and we don't have we don't have a sense of a national community. You know, we we we, we based it on time honored principles that were carved out of all kinds of chaos and arrived here through a confluence of circumstances, of course, and manifested itself in the Constitution and the Declaration and all that, and and some of the 
um, discussions that have been made in uh, various publications of the day. Um, but they have been uh, uh, stigmatized as out of date or this or that when they really should, as you say, build the, the pillar of the community. So I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I think, too, part of it that is language. You must share the language. And that builds the community. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I go back to Theodore Roosevelt's speech all the time. I think it was in 1906 or seven when he was talking about immigration. He goes, sure. He goes, we want immigrants. He goes, we are a nation of immigrants. Um, but understand this, there's room for one language. It's English. Learn it. There's room but for one flag. It's the American flag. Honor it. And you're either 100 percent American or not at all. You know, and if you look back biblically, you look at what happened to Babylon. Everybody was speaking in tongues. Nobody understood each other and it collapsed, you know, and people will say, well, that's all myth, mythical and that, you know, but the principle is the same. And you're talking about time honored principles. They have been under attack for the last 20, 30, 40 years since the Saul Alinsky days in the Clinton era, when uh, she was such a great student of Saul Alinsky, when they were attacking the principles, look what they're doing with the 10 commandments. Look what they're doing with the nativity scene. In, in public places or, you know, um, um, the flag in, in, in classrooms. We had a, well, we had the a, kneeling in sports. I can't stand the kneeling in sports. For the yeah. So they're attacking the culture and the principles of this nation, trying to change it. And that's why there's so much re resistance. I don't want to use that word because the left coined that after Trump won, they're called the resistant movement. And, um, you know, it goes back to what you were saying, the community, the elder in the community that you learned, you respected him. You don't have to like the guy, but the principles, somebody that's got that kind of wisdom and experience, hopefully wisdom, um, that they pass on to the next generations. You know, I'm sure you growing up like me, you might have done a few things that weren't quite kosher or right. And um, an elderly person gave you a talking to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, how disappointed they were in you. And that, that hurt worse than the spankings I received. <laughs> well, our, our family, it was um, the oldest woman. The oldest mm -hmm. woman carried the morality. And yeah. uh, she could make all the males behave. I mean, and we all deferred to her. And when the man doesn't defer to the wisdom of the woman, you've got a real problem, I think. Uh, yeah. you got a real problem. And I see that all through our culture, too. The disrespect right, so for, for women. Well, you go back to the congressional security. You know, if people were responsible and there wasn't this easy out of not holding people accountable, no bail, you know, very minimal um, sentences, um, I don't think we'd have to have that problem. Um, and I think, uh, you know, you look at what they did to Kavanaugh, he should have had protection, but Merrick Garland refused to give him protection or enforce it. Um, it's in, it's already in statute and law. So, we don't need any more laws on the book. We just need to follow the ones that are on there. Well, we're talking with Ted Yoho, by the way, if you're just tuning in, a former representative, eight years in Congress, who has joined us on Wednesdays. It's a wonderful uh, uh, service he's providing here for you all um, to glean from him, his experience. Great what he's, hmm? <laughs> he's great not, opportunity for me. Yeah, he's not yet an elder. <laughs> I'm, I'm older, so I'm still his elder. Oh, my golly, you I can't are. believe I said that, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple of questions you and I talked about that have come to me 
And I know that you were right there at the, with all the secret uh, information at your, uh, uh, in your world that you were in there for a while. And this came from somebody who is um, very, 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 um, was at one time very high up in that world um, and came to the experiences through the military and flew 100 combat missions, for example, in Vietnam um, and survived them, by the way. And that's, that's something to be said for that. Yes. I mean, survived them. But um, is there anything, he called me and asked me, and of course, I, I can only pass it along to you. And I pass it along to another person who has a pretty big security clearance who shall remain anonymous, who confirmed. Uh, apparently, we've learned, and maybe you knew this already, that uh, former prime minister Liz Trust phone was hacked and the hack referenced apparently, and it said in the message deed done, and this led to the speculation. And we get over into all these conspiracy theories, I know, but the underground pipeline sabotage was referenced possibly by deed done, trust to Blinken, so that we either knew about it or we were in on it. Now, I checked this out as much as I could, and the one thing I was told was that all systems are now hackable and that we can thank Hillary Clinton for that. I don't know about you know, how this goes back to Clinton, although I know her and Bill, um, they gave so much of our technology to China and others. Um, and then, you know, when they were doing the nefarious things they were doing, now they're set up for blackmail and pressure can be put on them. And of course, you take her stance. I don't want to say Bill's stance. You know, I'm, I think he was just uh, a very unethical person, uh, but she has an anti-American slant. Uh, you can read you know, stories about her from the Secret Service. You can just listen to what she says, calling, you know, people that were stood for the flag of nationalism as deplorables, you know, and, and Biden's doing the same thing. You know, we're enemies of the state if we stand for nationalism. Um, the story will come out on that, hopefully. But, you know, with governments involved, I don't know if we'll ever hear it, uh, what the truth is. I mean, we're still waiting to hear what happened to Kennedy, the truth behind that. Um but I think this brings up a bigger issue, or this is going to foment a larger issue that's already out there, and that's a lack of trust in government. And I'll say governments, because we see so many people not trusting our government uh, and governments around the world. And if you don't have trust in your government, um, I think it starts to develop a very uh, strong sense of you know, people wanting to change those governments. And we know when governments changed in the past, um, there was usually some conflicts that happened and I'm sure not advocating that don't ever want to see that. And that's why it's so important for these elections that you put people in that are going to operate on integrity and trust and character. And they're all humans. You know, I was in there and I want to say I never lied or told a story, but I'm sure if you go back, you know, I said I was going to get rid of our debt and I lied about that. Um, and so these elections are so important. And if the representative, and I've talked about this before, if they're not doing what you want them to do or think that what they're doing, 
throw them out. It's not their seat. It's our seat. Well, the two fellows I talked to, one in the military, one with a pretty high, well, I'm not going to talk anymore about it, but said that we, this is kind of a inside the huddle talk against even the people now in government who are the, let's oversimplify it and say, well, let's be honest, are the trustworthy ethical ones have come to believe that we are living in an age of massive treason. That was a phrase they used with me. An age of, not not just treason, Ted, but massive treason. I and agree with big, on that. And the, and the biggest source of it here is the open border. That is considered to be on the part of the guys who are really trying to close that and, and bend government back to that, the integrity of the culture, the accountability of, of the citizens. That is really treasonous, what's going on with the border. Um, There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's you know, we're all waiting for something to happen at the border for somebody to do something. And I think we're all hopeful that the Republicans, when they take charge, they are going to do something about that. And if not, I think you're going to see mayhem in this country. And I don't want that. But enough is enough. The stuff has got to stop. I mean, these people are out of control. These people being the people in the, the administration and the bureaucracies, Mallorca saying, oh, the border's perfectly under control. And Kamala Harris saying it's perfectly under control. There is no crisis. What planet are they from? You know, so they're either doing this by default, by ignorance or by design. I don't care which one it is. We can argue it, but none of them are satisfactory. Close the dang border. We've got laws that say how people are supposed to come in here. And for them not doing it, I agree with your friend that this is treasonous. The other thing that he's offered to think for us to think about. We know about the North Atlantic Free Trade Agreement. Right. But they now are thinking, I'm talking about these fellows inside our government who are trying to restore our culture, if you will, view something that is only a part of something called the North American Union. Right. What about, do you know about the North American Union? What can you talk about? Well, this goes back to world government, one world government. That's the point they were making, yeah. And the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, was developed after uh, World War II, uh, after the League of Nations that formed into the UN. Uh, this has been something they're going to—they've been marching on to. They want one world government. Um, it's you know, it's your Klaus Schwab's, your Jamie Dimon, your Larry Fink of BlackRock. Um, all these people think it's better to manage one form of government throughout the world, so you get rid of nationalism, and that's why there's such a fight against nationalism and patriotism and that's why you see a breakdown of the cultures and get rid of the traditions you know what what better way to do that uh, and take over education of the youth and so they're doing those things and nafta the north america free trade agreement when you read the 30-year study on a 25-year you know i forget i think went in 96 it said it didn't accomplish what the the planners wanted and they wanted to raise the income level of the people in uh, Central America. That was never sold to the American people. And it was a way of um, pretty much re- uh, reparations going to poorer countries through NAFTA. And if you look at it, it was a massive, massive foreign aid program that we spent probably trillions of dollars in the sense that when that got announced, if you go back to Ross Perot when he ran 
He says, if that passes, you're going to hear that sucking noise. It's going to be jobs leaving America. Look at the textile industry. Look at the manufacturing of cars and washing machines and all that that went to Mexico. And this is all, if you go back to the Council on Foreign Relations, David Petraeus, you know David Petraeus from, um, you know, he was a, a celebrated general until he had the affair and then he got thrown out. But he wrote a book and an article, and it talks about three spots in the world. It'll be the American Union, North America. It'll be um, the European Union, and it'll be the Asian countries. Ours will be financial services and things like that, uh, insurance and things. Uh, Europe will be banking. Uh, the Asian will be manufacturing. And look what's going on in the world. And, um, and he talked about we should – David Petraeus said this in this book, and it caught me. We shouldn't talk about things being made in America. We should talk about things made in America or North America, as he was more specific. He doesn't want the word of the United States of America. He wants it formed in uh, North America. And so this is something that's real. It's something that's going on. And of course, this revolves back into um, one of the things when I ran, that was a very hot topic that has not gone away, is the uh, um, Agenda 21 under the UN. That's a real document. And, you know, people ought to read some of the stuff in the U.N. that countries are following around the world. There's the, the U.N. Uh, um, Children's, um, uh, Children's Right Act, basically, or uh, the name will come to me. But it says the children are not, they don't belong to their parents. They belong to the oh, state. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, that's a real document. I've had legislatures around the world say, you guys need to get on the Children's Bill of Rights is what it is, the UN Children's Bill of Rights. So your friend is absolutely right. This is something that's going on, and that's why you're seeing so much disruption around the world. He also broke it down a little bit more and made a point that these people that are being allowed in by the Kamala Harris's and all yep. are really coming from countries that don't have constitutional rights. So it may that they even that they recognize at any rate that they have lived by. They've lived by something called the Hacienda system, which is uh, uh, I guess you're familiar with that term. Um, And so coming here, they are ripe to be manipulated by a central state government since Constitution doesn't ring a bell with them. Does that that also fits into the porous the, re- the reason for the poorest borders is because we're bringing in people who are not going to be mindful of the Constitution, are going to lean toward central authority, and are going to, and the point is made, and I don't know about the numbers of this, but many, there's about have been as many people come across the Mexican border as live in Canada. Oh, yeah. Canada is a country of about 24, 25 million people, I think. So, you know, you look at how many people have come over in the last, since Reagan, it's probably approaching that. And, you know, they, they know a number, but they, they never tell you the true number. But what you're saying is these people are coming over. They're coming from countries that don't have property rights. They don't have the social programs like we right. do, where you can get everything for free. And the left keeps wanting to fund that, but we're broke. And so they come to this country, and it's like a kid going to a candy store. They see opportunity. I'm up here in a small rural area, 
and the the majority of the workers we see are Latinos. And I, I, I would venture to say they're not all legal. You know, I think that's probably the easiest way to say that. And so you're going to get bashed because I said the word illegal. They're undocumented, you know, for the people that um, want to be politically correct. But they're here without the way they can't, They should have come in because they can't speak English. I mean, you, you just see them everywhere. And so they see this as such an opportunity as we used to see America. And uh, we've got people like, oh, you know, we're such an evil country. We're systemic racism. And, you know, we've got to stop listening to that garbage and throw these people off the air, get them out of office. And the woke corporations that want to promote this stuff, we need to stop buying stuff from them and tell them we're making you woke and, and not deal with them. Talking with Ted Yoho, we're going to take a break at the bottom of the hour here for um, our um, sponsors and thank them and uh, our donors and give you a little bit on weather update. Come back. I want to talk a little bit about the military again and um, where we are in terms of a a thought we don't even want to think about um, that the left might actually manufacture a crisis with Russia to up the boost of them in the election. It's been done before. Oh, yeah. It's been done before. Be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. 
Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files here by uh, courtesy of Lewis Oil, our big supporter, one of our big supporters. And we have many shoot GTR, style cuts, uh, uh, on the spot cleaner. We want to thank everybody. And we want to thank the people who donate to us. Um, we've had no precipitation. As I said, I was saying before the show here, while the show started, came up my country lane here, and all I looked back and I said, my golly. Where's that dust coming? I realized it was coming from me. So we um, run out of water rather quickly in Florida. It's kind of a porous state. And uh, we've had no precipitation for a while in our part of the country here in uh, north central Florida. But, you know, the tree pollen's low right now and the ragweed pollen's moderate and the grass pollen is low. So people with allergies are kind of happy right now. It's 65 degrees. It's going to get up into the mid 80s and uh, we'll have a mild day here. But um, it's always nice to put the news in context or the weather in context. And there are things going on elsewhere in the country. As I say, if you're a big skier, uh, you want to get ready to go out there because uh, um, it's dumping out there. And I've already talked to a friend who loves to ski, as I used to do, and I'm planning three trips, as I said. Uh, we got a tropical storm forming in the Atlantic. I don't think it's going to be our way. We're watching it. Of course, uh, Lisa strengthened into a hurricane and came across the Mexican Peninsula right there, we'll see where it goes. It's probably not going to come toward us. But we still got a hurricane season. That's the point. And um, it's uh, it's um, with us until really the end of November. So don't let your guard down. If you have generators, keep them ready. If you have any kind of backup systems you need to keep uh, fuel for, uh, do that. But uh, right now, we still got about a month to go to get out of the hurricane season. So uh, we're back now with our, our great friend and Wednesday regular host, who I'm honored to have uh, the pleasure of not only his respect, but also uh, his willingness to help us do the job of helping you understand some of the issues and trust uh, trust us as we talk about them. The entire legitimacy of the show is built on trust. Uh, and we try to make an uh, honest statement with you. If we don't know, we'll let you know we don't know. If we do know, we'll get the documents, we'll back it up. Um, but this is uh, an absolute uh, contrast to what people have come to think about media in general. Very few people trust the media at all to say anything about anything. So um, I'm going to remind uh, you all who our guest is in terms of his um, security clearances at once upon a time, in terms of his experience on foreign affairs committees. And because the next question I'm going to ask is one on the break, he already confirmed that my other two sources had said was so, and that has to do with the military. Before I ask the question, Let's refresh the uh, people watching and listening, Ted, what you were in Washington in terms of foreign affairs and security and all that business. Sure. I appreciate it. Uh, I was up there for eight years, as you know, and I was on the Agriculture Committee, which really is food security, which is national security, and then the Foreign Affairs Committee. And I was fortunate to be able to be the chairman of the Asia-Pacific Subcommittee. And what that position allowed me to do was I traveled the world and I got to meet with presidents all over the world and talk with their policy, especially on um, national security issues like that. And uh, we got into some real high class briefings. And if the American people knew how precarious our strength is as a nation, I think they would pay more attention to politics instead of, you know, Monday night football and things like that. Those are games. What's happening in the world today is not a game. 
Well, we were talking to you on your show about um, living in an age of massive trees, internet, all systems are hackable now. And we have gotten um, comments from people who have asked me, and I'm going to pass them along to you, about the strength of our military and the willingness of our president to perhaps manipulate it in order to protect his political power in the upcoming elections, even to the extent that there might be a quote-unquote threat from Russia, which would re- demand a strong decision by the president to counter. Uh, but at the same time, I've learned, and I'm ask you about this, if you could talk about it, that my sources tell me that in a nuclear unthinkable situation, the only nuclear weapon we have that would survive would be the Trident because it's on the subs. Um, but my sources tell me that Biden is busy reducing the number of Tridents. You are absolutely right. I was on another show last week on Friday and we had uh, a man from the heritage foundation. I think his name was Dakota Lewis. And, uh, 20 years special ops in the military. And we talked about this subject and the Biden administration through the woke military generals, the ones that think America can't afford to be the lone superpower. They are moving to get rid of our naval uh, nuclear launch capabilities, which would be your Trident missiles. And you'd have to ask yourself, I mean, if, if you're already depleting your military, you know, under Obama, it got really depleted because they kept cut, kept cutting funding. And then we spent a lot in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. And now we're sending a lot of our Stinger missiles and ARAPs over to Ukraine. And we're, we don't have the capacity to rebuild these things. And now you're taking away one of our biggest deterrents to nuclear war. And you're removing that. Not only are you removing it, but you're broadcasting that you're removing it. And in the meantime, as you pointed out in the last segment, you've got millions of people coming in our southwest border. Um, it's you either have to be really ignorant or you're doing this by design. And uh, I, I have to agree with your uh, your friend with the security. This is treasonous. It really is. Um, you know, and if you let, let, go back to Bill Gates's book. It was called, uh, or Robert Gates' book, I'm sorry. He was uh, Secretary of Defense under, I think, five presidents. He wrote a book called Duty. And in that book, he said that on every foreign policy issue, Joe Biden was 100% wrong. I don't want that guy deciding what kind of ice cream to eat. Um, You know, that guy, he just shouldn't be in there. And uh, for him to make those kind of decisions, or he's got... People around him that have that anti-American slant, um, um, I think it's it's a wake-up call. And of course, people won't do anything until it becomes really uncomfortable for them. But my fear is that it may be too late to do something by then. You know, it's uh, interesting that we're talking about this because flashing across one of my computers just came on uh, a request from Ambassador Rooney to come on the show and talk about Russia, Ukraine, and us. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, Francis, we'll is a, he, I mean, he, he's a powerhouse. He really is. And he knows what he's talking about. He's been around the world. He's a very, very successful business person. Um, and he's if he's wanting to weigh in, you need to get him on because he's doing it out of passion for this country. 
Yeah, I just got the message from him, and he wants to come on the show to talk. Might be watching this right now. I don't know because uh, yeah. a lot of people do do watch us, and you uh, I'm dial in. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're available. Uh, you know, we're all twenty four seven, three sixty five, and all these sources. Um, so that is one thing that everybody who has a top security clearance seems to agree on that has shared this input with me. Um, the other note I have here, and I think we've already talked about this, but this has been presented to me in a little more detail about how strategic and deliberate this was. And Obama, the first thing he did, and you probably know this, Ted, I'm sure you do. He went in and devastated the major, the ranks of majors, and put in about 7,000 of them, knowing that over the years, by the time right now, they would have risen to be the generals. Right. And now those people, we just referenced it. So this woke military that we're referring to, the seeds were planted to that. According oh, yeah. to the intel I got, where seeds were planted for that eight, nine years ago by Obama. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Go back to 2009, right before his inauguration. I've talked about this too many times. He said, we're five days from fundamentally changing America. This is going on today, but it started back then with steroids under Obama. They are doing that today. Wake up, America. Uh, don't accept this. And I'd love to have Francis Rooney's uh, take on this. You know, he may have a di whole different perspective than I do. I'm sure he does. But it's he's a well-educated. It'll be a good perspective. Well, you there are three now that have the same conclusion that I'm talking to independent of each other. You all have held the same conclusion and that this was done by, geez, what a, what a, there must have been, Obama learned this from the Jeff Ayers and the Selinskis and all these, you know, organizers of government. You know, the Ayers, I don't know how he ever survived teaching in the university, being part of the weatherman who blew up buildings back in the day. But, you know, he's, he's Obama's buddy. And yeah. cleaning the ranks out, knowing that they would matriculate. Sure. And become the leaders of the woke military that, wanted to depower us, if you will, to make us vulnerable to world order. I mean, that's the scenario I see. Well, and, and look what, look what oh, Biden, look what Biden said in that speech in Philadelphia. If you're a MAGA supporter, you're a domestic terrorist, basically. So they have flipped this whole thing around. Now you take the military that have all these people that believe that, that they've gotten put in over the years by Obama and Biden's probably doing the same thing right now. You've got people that believe that in charge of our military. Um, you know, it's we're in a very it's a very precarious area we're in right now. But you know, I have faith in our system, and I have faith in the American people that stand for God, country, and family. And uh, you know, they're proud of this country. They're proud of the service members that have passed this on. And uh, the threat of a nuclear war you brought up would would our government do something like that? I could see where something like that may happen to justify the cause. You know, the what is it? The means, um, the cause is justified by the means or however that saying goes. Means justify the end. Yeah, the means justify the end. Yeah. So if they can get to where they want to go, and this administration 
more so than any uh, other than Obama is pushing hard for that. I mean, the stuff that they are doing is just nonsensical. You know, the Fed will probably raise the interest rates again. I'm hoping they put a pause on it. But um, you're going to see the interest rates go up. You're going to see fuel go up right after the election. And if the Republicans take the House and the Senate, you're going to see Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and other new groups develop that are basically going to be the brown shirts of the Democratic Party, of the the Socialist Party, if not Marxist. Well, that's an interesting scenario. That's an that's that is an interesting scenario. In other words, should there be a a red tide, so to speak, and the formal government become at least more than it is now uh, participated in by Republicans? Let's just assume just the Congress. But if they were to take that and the Senate and become a formal power. Then Antifa, Black Lives Matter, all these groups would take to the streets. Oh, yeah, you can count on that. Take to the streets and create violence and disorder. I'll make that prediction now. I'll, I'll, I would, I'll bet anybody $100 that's going to happen. Wow. Wow. That's Look not good. Trump won. Look at the, I mean, we had adults crying in my offices in D.C. and in the district crying because Trump won. He was going to take us to war. He's the only president had put us in a war so far. And, uh, you know, in the modern era and, um, you know, they came out in mass. Look at how many storm stormed up at DC, you know, uh, what's her name? The singer that said they were going to blow up the F and capital. Um, there's no recourse on these people. They don't get censured. Um, you know, and so I predict that if it's a big red wave, There'll be legislation they're going to go after, you know, maybe the investigation in the Hunter, which please don't do it unless you're going to follow through with it. Um, they are going to be out riding again, and they're going to have something happen. It'll be a flashpoint that'll justify what they're doing. You know, what's um, one other component of this, which I'm going to ask you maybe to comment on in the new world order would be digital currency. Mm-hmm. How would that work to ever that would be a, a scary thing. I, I like the idea of digital currency um, in the sense that if it's done the way it's supposed to, the way they set up Bitcoin, the governments couldn't hack it. Um, but I don't know if you're ever at a point where got, something is unhackable. But if we got to that point, all you have to do is look at China right now. China has um, a system in place called the Good uh, Citizen Scoring and, you know, read 1984 or watch the movie, that's China today. So if they have control of your, your banking, your uh, communications, your power on your smart meter, on your house, um, on your vehicle, and they can turn that off because you're not compliant with whatever they say is compliant, you're done. You know, you can be at the gas pump and it won't pump because you have no money because your digital currency or credit card was turned off. Um, you know, we, we have that capability in this country and they could do it right now. Um, but they haven't because we still have enough people that believe in the foundational principles of, of our constitution. We, the people, you know, already, yeah, already you get in your car and, and the, the phone tells you, Hey, it's 14 miles to where we know you're going to go, you know? Um, so everything is being, uh, digitized now, if you will. So it, it, what you're saying, it would be one great big YouTube. 
you know, they can they they can censor you according to their abstract and and, and ill-defined standards, you know? Go back to what Obama said when he said, nobody needs to make more than 250,000. Nobody needs that kind of money. So now you have the government, they're laying out little crumbs of what they want to do. Biden already said, we're going after your guns. Let him win with a strong majority in the the House and the Senate. Um, And they will go after that because they see this as their last stand. I truly believe that. And I hate to, I hate to think that, but you know, I hear too many things like your um, person with the clearance. I hear too many things from people like that, that tell you what's going on. And um, you know, you can be, we can be ignorant about it and just ignore it and say, God, I wish I would have done something about it. Or we could have said we should have done something about it. Or we can say, I'm glad we did something about it because the next generations will be happy if we did. One of the details that I've got here is that, um, and this is one, uh, you know, subcategory of the larger issues we're talking about, is that we've just moved a lot of B-52s to Australia. We did. We did? Yeah, we did. Um, If you look at what China's doing, you know, their goal, Xi Jinping got reelected to his third term, which is um, something that's out of form. They're supposed to serve two five-year terms at maximum and then leave. What he did is he started purging around him again, people that would be competitors of him, and he put in his own people. So he's handpicked his uh, his group around him, his advisors, and they are going to make a move on Taiwan, unfortunately, because they say it was historically China's property. Well, if you go back before Jimmy Carter and uh, uh, you know his uh, Secretary of State, um, Taiwan was an independent country that was recognized by all other nations in the world other than China. And then under Jimmy Carter, uh, they got rid of uh, national recognition for Taiwan and the rest of the world followed that. And um, Taiwan came from an island nation called Formosa that was developed in the late 1800s. And um, it had a very short history because of Japan. Anyway, um, so China has been ramping up their excursions into the Taiwanese airspace with jets, with drones. Uh, they're amassing military across the peninsula from them or across the straits there. And um, um, they're doing it to, to Australia also. And uh, uh, we put our B-52s over there because they have long-range capabilities where they are a uh, 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 show of force in that area, which is what we need. And there, there's more than likely going to be a conflict. And this comes from Admiral Davidson, who was the commander of the uh, South Pacific at the time. And uh, he said, we will have a conflict with the Chinese military uh, at sea. So, you know, I hope we don't see it, but I know, look at what's going on. And, you know, the saying actions speak louder in words. So if we're setting up for that, something's going to happen. And that may be the thing that prompts uh, Biden to do his thing with Ukraine so we can be distracted on two fronts. Yes, the orchestrated uh, crisis has um, been used before. Yeah. Gulf of Tonkin, is, yeah. Uh, that was what Johnson did. Um, I think we've been... Covering some pretty good points here. I'm just looking at the chat line here. If anybody wants to ask a question, we've got a live chat line. Please put it on the chat line. Um, so um, talking with 
Ted Yoho, our Wednesday guest, Wednesday co-host, Wednesday library resource of fascinating experiences in D.C. And um, you don't get an opportunity to hear this sort of thing uh, much. Uh, here's a question. Taiwan was, Taiwan was thrown out of the U.N. and communist China admitted to the U.N.? Yeah. That happened? Yeah. You know what's crazier than that is Taiwan or China was on the Human Rights Commission. <laughs> China was on the Human Rights Commission. I, if I remember right, it might have been Iran and Cuba at the same time. It's just no, it's lunacy. No, yeah. you, you can't write this stuff. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. But China was head of the, or I think they were the head of the U, um, Human Rights Commission. It, it's it's such a joke. I mean, what they're doing. Um, you know, some if you want to do a segment on China, what they did for human rights on the Uyghurs, the Tibetans. Um, it, it, People would never buy anything from China. <laughs> well, I, it's an old thing, you know. It's um, um, as long as I don't have to realize that the right. shoe I'm buying was made by uh, an indentured servant, so to speak, to put it euphemistically, I'm fine with it. And um, they still continue to market it and brand it and sell it. And they have a very active. Organ on demand medical practice there. It's in the billions of dollars, and they're taking the Falun Gong practitioners, which is a very peaceful sector. I think it's got 18 or 80 million followers, and the government does, they're outlawed, they've outlawed it, and they're taking organs out of these people. If you got a kidney that matches somebody, it's there, it's gone. You're in prison. And if they need the other one, they take that. Guess what? You, you can't survive. Liver, we'll take your liver. We need it. And it's on demand, and there's people around the world that are paying the communist part. And, and people think this may be science fiction. There's congressional hearings documenting this that we were part of. The Senate's done them. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's well documented. It's just not well known. There's been a lot of um, uh, documentaries on TV, but it just doesn't gain the traction. Um, you know, and the, and that's, and the media is not interested in it because it's not a hot button no, issue. No, yeah. But I can have a, a, a conflict with AOC, and that goes viral, you know, <laughs> which doesn't oh, amount boy. to a hill of beans. But you know, taking forced uh, body part extractions from somebody, uh, and we just keep buying from China. We're getting down to the end of our hour. Which uh, every Wednesday, if you are fascinated by our discussions, you want to be sure to catch. Uh, we will put this out on rumble.com. We ask you to, uh, you know, YouTube censored us, so we fired YouTube, so we've gone to Rumble. We go Way to, to Rumble. Go. <laughs> yeah, we fought back against wokeism, so go to rumble.com and uh, in the little magnifying glass, put Words Got Files and then follow us, and that helps us uh, pop up a little sooner, as I understand it. We also take that Rumble post and put it back on wordscottfiles.com. Although there have been some glitches with that. We're trying to work that out, uh, but we'll get it worked out. Um, uh, another great show uh, from my friend Atlanta. He says that. Thanks, Ted and Ward. Thanks for tuning in and supporting us, Ken. And um, we'll, uh, we'll try to keep the good, uh, good reports coming for you. It's really a calling for us. We really don't profit in any way to speak up from this. We just, Ted and I have a, uh, and, you know, like mind on this. We, sort of are committed to it. I guess it's uh, my wife says worse, right? <laughs> huh? 
My wife says it's therapy for me. <laughs> the therapy for you. Well, yeah, and it gives me structure. You know, I mean, I've got to go every day and do something, you know, and uh, I've got to be on my game. So uh, uh, we appreciate you coming on and have a great day. And uh, we'll stay in touch. I'll see you in a week. So take care. And thanks for watching us, you guys. And support us if you can. Ward Scott Files out.